Audacious Compassion, Episode 15. Four Pints in a Gallon. Toothpaste, lemonade, polka dots and stripes. You're a dark night, and I'm the day. We're a wreck, and that's Welcome to Audacious Compassion, a podcast where we explore how to find compassion in the most difficult places in daily life. I'm Gregory Avery Weir. And I'm Melissa Avery Weir. And today we'll be talking about categorizing people and how it can be harmful. So uh, how are you doing, Melissa? I'm doing pretty well. Uh, I had surgery almost two weeks ago. Um, It was abdominal surgery, so I have a rather large incision on my tummy. I have to say you're recovering awesomely. <sighs> well, let's talk about that. Okay. <laughs> um, so I am recovering very well. Um, I My pain levels are very low. I take, you know, ibuprofen maybe once a day. Um, but, I, you know, there's still some pain and discomfort, and I'm still really limited in what I can do. But many of my friends, you included, mm-hmm. uh, have been, like, saying my recovery is awesome and not just saying my recovery is awesome saying that i am awesome you're such a badass you're such a badass you're doing awesome um and i appreciate that but it gives me a sense that i need to live up to a certain rate of recovery that is not accurate does it like make you take more risks it and does be harder on yourself then? yeah so i'm on a limitation as a result of this where i'm not supposed to lift more than five pounds for six weeks five pounds is not much that's five, yes that's a gallon five, of of milk is more than five pounds right. right a gallon of milk would be eight pounds yeah no yeah. four pounds four pints gallon four four quarts in a gallon four quarts in a gallon yes right that's how court means <laughs> um so yes, that's eight pounds, which mm-hmm. is more than I'm supposed to be lifting. Um, so living alone with two cats, you can imagine that that is very difficult. I'm not really supposed to be bending over. There's all just all sorts of limitations that mean that I should be asking people for help with most things around the house. But one, that's a big burden um, to place on other people. And yeah, you live alone. I live alone. And two, if I am such a badass and awesome in my recovery then surely by 12 days out from surgery i should be able to from being literally eviscerated being, yeah then surely i should be able to do all the things around my house myself yeah if, if we we might stop calling you a badass if you ask for help too much right um so yeah okay come help me take out the trash but if you know i don't know a cat makes a mess then surely i should be able to do that little thing so i feel a little pigeonholed uh, so I haven't been asking for nearly as much help in, in in this sort of second week as I needed in the first week or so, or asked for in the first week or so. And, I mean, it's it's classic. Like, if you look up on a forum, and I have done so, like, what do people do after hysterectomies that is a problem? The number one thing is try to do too much in recovery. Yeah. Um, and part of that is, you know, a cultural trend towards women folk needing to be the housemakers part of it is just as long as you keep it clean the only thing that can really go wrong is you splitting open again right um which is something that keeps me up at night yeah um so that's i'm I'm fine but it i do feel pressure um to recover faster than the rate at which anyone 
in the medical profession expects me to recover. All right, so don't tell you you're a badass. No more compliments. <laughs> very critical insult sandwich right right insult compliment insult i'm glad i can laugh without it hurting anymore yeah that, that was a, this would be a rough recording if not it was a rough first few days uh, every laugh and cough uh brought me trouble so how are you doing um i'm doing pretty well uh i was stressed out of my gourd because I was kind of your first first point of contact for surgery. I took you to surgery. I hung out the first day. Thank you so, so much. <laughs> sure, but I think that I was more worried than you were <laughs> during all of it. You were like, oh, I got this. I, I've been doing my research. I know what's going on. I was like, what if something goes wrong? Oh, no. <laughs> um, so kind of having that stressor gone mm-hmm. um, is a huge relief. And so things have been great. Um and I've stopped calling you to come over for everything. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you've been a real badass about that. So, um, no, I'm happy to happy to come over whenever you need it. But as a result, my standard kind of ongoing stressor has arisen again, which is yeah. my work situation. And, like, I'm unless I'm working for myself, I'm probably never going to be fully satisfied with, with a place that I'm working. But one of the things that's, that's interesting about what I'm currently doing is I'm currently doing contracting work for a software and design company that does client work so firm really. yeah, yeah yeah so someone some company goes to them and says we want you to build us a website um they're like okay cool uh we'll build it for you it'll be this much and so on and those kind of companies tend to be very kind of fast moving very agile not holding as tight to process and to certain like principles of design as like right. a bank yep. right because they have to move fast they're everything's minimum amount of time all that and every client needs are different where yep. things are going to get posted or different like the circumstances do change quite a bit from yeah. project to project and they're currently transitioning from being a very small company to being a very large company and having or not from being a company with eight people to being like a company with multiple offices and 20 or 30 people right as part of that there are growing pains and mm-hmm. they're you know they're annoying and i bring up things that affect me and they're like we're working on it but i've found myself being very skeptical of their assurances mm-hmm. like with when, good reason i mean yeah i mean it's it's it is perfectly reasonable to say hey i've seen a pattern of behavior i've heard that it's going to change before it didn't i don't see why i should believe you this time trust is evidence-based right but on the other hand like that is kind of fitting them into this pattern that i i tend to assign companies to mm-hmm. like there, there are some companies which are like large and inflexible. There are some companies which always promise change and then don't deliver, right? Or change something mm-hmm. and for two weeks things are different and then they go back to their old habits and because they they often do the thing where it's like, why don't you try this thing that's the standard industry solution for this problem? <laughs> and they go, oh, we tried that two years ago and it didn't work. Right. And it's like, do, do, how did you like try do it better? Like people do this. It yeah. works for them. So what did you do differently? Right. Or how about you try doing it differently? Or try doing something similar. Don't just do nothing. Right. Um, Collect some data. Iterate yeah. based on what you've tried. But I'm finding myself getting emotional out of proportion to what's going on. Because someone does something and I'm like, oh, no, they're going to... This this entire pattern, I tell this entire story in my head about how the next day or two are going to go yep. as a result of this small initial thing. And sometimes I am completely right. <laughs> and sometimes it's like, oh, no, it was, it was not... You know, they weren't actually passing down an edict. It was just a discussion or yeah. it was just a misunderstanding or something. So 
I don't know. That is that's something that's tricky to deal with, and it's it's like I want to keep an open mind mm-hmm. and not kind of build that narrative for myself, that narrative of persecution or where whatever. But at the same time, I don't want to roll over and accept a bad situation. Right. Um, but so also, also screw companies and screw day jobs and yeah, screw I mean, capitalism, right? Like... Yeah. I mean, I, I have to have a job right now. Right. This is a decent job, all things considered. I like the people in it. I don't really care about the company. Right. Right? Like, yeah, I don't, I don't even... care. Yeah. I hope that all those people continue to prosper. Yeah. And part of that is that company doing well, probably. Right. Um, but other than that, I don't, I don't care. But it means that I get a whole bunch of little, little annoyances throughout the workday. Mm-hmm. Stressful. Hard to manage. Yeah. But anyway, this, this, this concept of, like, putting folks into boxes and, and categorizing people is related to, to a prompt that we chose today. Our, our prompt this month is taken from the Interpersonal Skills Stack Exchange uh, from a user named Xander. Uh, and we've cut it down a little bit. A close relative was recently engaged to this very sweet and friendly woman, age 24, who happens to have a rather bad trait. She's very quick to pigeonhole people, meaning she places people in categories without fully getting to know them or acknowledging all their qualities, and then proceeds to treat them with that misconception. I discussed it briefly with a couple of family members, and we're pretty much sure that she doesn't know that she's doing it or that what she's doing is hurting others. How can I approach her and let her know that she's hurting her relationship with others, and especially her soon-to-be family? That's a tough one. Yeah. Except kind of not. It, uh, yeah. yeah. I mean, we've certainly known people like this who oh like will meet someone and be like, oh, you're, you're, you know, you're just like an engineer. Yep. And like make these assumptions. Yep. And we're not really talking about like prejudice and stereotyping here, right? Yeah. I think that's, well, hopefully not. Let, let's yeah. say we're not. Yeah. Let's say for, we're not talking about saying like, oh, you're black. Right. So you're going to behave like that. Right. Things like, oh, you're finicky. Yeah. You know, personality things, things that actually are based in behavior or personality or hobbies or jobs, like right. stuff that is actually, you know, related to how people behave rather than just this arbitrary <laughs> suspect group classification. <laughs> yes. So this is a natural thing, right? This is right. a thing that everybody does as a way of processing the world. Exactly. We all... I, I think I can confidently say, all, all, okay, almost everybody, everybody I've ever met, when they talk to people, they kind of listen for keywords and mm-hmm. key behaviors that trigger descriptions, right? Someone says, I work in software development. You add to your list, here's some things we can talk about. We mm-hmm. can talk about software development, find out if they work in security, like there's all sorts of things that you can hook into that give you conversational topics. Yeah, and you, you, you know that, like... In some cases, it's how can I safely have a conversation with this person without, like, raising emotions. Like, oh, if this person is this old or in this job, then I should probably be more formal with them. Mm -hmm. If they're, you know, if they seem to be younger or more cool, then I probably shouldn't be formal or they're going to make fun of me. Like, all this stuff, we sort of, and if you don't have all that information about someone, you naturally are going to put them in categories based on very, very... Minimal data. Exactly. Yep. But hopefully you don't announce that. Why? <laughs> I'm sorry. Right? Like, that's that's one big thing is, like, yes. often people will say, oh, you're this sort of person. Right. And that's that's uh, kind of an offensive thing to say. Yeah, like, who? Um, like, yeah, that's, it's so reductive. Yeah. And hopefully you continue to update that sort of imagined image of them in your head 
yep. as you continue to interact with them. Yep. I mean, it sounds like it'd be nice and easy to just kind of check the box and say, here's five five attributes, like someone is a, like a sim, like a Sims yeah, 4 yeah. sim, and be like, oh, I've discovered all your attributes. Yeah, you're, you're a never nude, <laughs> uh, you have the aspiration to ride a to ride in a hot air balloon. Uh, and you want to be at the top of your career. Yes, you're a, you're a neat freak. <laughs> so, yeah, like, the I think the harm that, it would be easy, but the harm there is, A, you're not particularly accurate, right? Like, you generally want your model of people the, the way you imagine people to be in your head to match their actual behavior. Close enough. Close enough. Yeah, so you want it to be close. Yeah. Because that way you can, you know, when to trust them. You know mm-hmm. how to be nice to them and, and how to kind of come across the way you int- you want to. Right. Um, and the other thing is that treating people as if you were assuming they're going to do a certain thing can often feel very bad to the person being mm-hmm. treated that way. Has this sort of thing ever happened to you? <laughs> totally. I have a feeling like at work you sometimes get, uh, get pigeonholed. I do. It's interesting how this changes over the course of my career. I've been out of college for 10 and some odd years now. Mm-hmm. And there's like, there's the, oh, you're the argumentative one, mm-hmm. which I got more when I was younger. Um, and then there's the, you know, argumentative has changed to opinionated mm-hmm. as I've gotten older and taken a senior title. And yet I try incredibly hard to, both due to things like family history mm-hmm. and due to the fact that I'm a reasonable adult <laughs> to listen to other people's opinion, evaluate those against mine. I feel like I say, I don't care, do it however you want. As often as I say, I would prefer to see this done that way. Mm-hmm. And yet... <laughs> There are definitely people who still say I'm opinionated. And they don't mm-hmm. necessarily say it in a bad way. Or they backpedal when I pin them on it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which is when I move into argument- argumentative mode. But yeah, it's rough. And it's frustrating. It means that like, people won't necessarily discuss things with you if they right. think you're going to object. Right. It means that your opinions probably get a little less weight. Because, yep. oh, well, they always have an opinion. So. Exactly. And I mean, no one, I don't think anyone under the age of 40 says ball buster anymore, but like, that's kind of the... Yeah, there's kind of gender ties in there yeah, to a certain extent. Yeah, I get kind of lumped in with a few other more kind of senior, more managerial women that are mm-hmm. not necessarily in my team, but are at the company that are kind of like, oh, well, let's have Melissa and so-and-so, you know, you know they're, they're taking after the other yeah. person, something like that. So it's, it's annoying and weird. Um, and I change jobs every couple few years, so... I see it a lot of places and have to kind of always adjust based on the culture to find what that line is of, of what's appropriate and what's not. I really don't have strong opinions on everything. Not on everything. I mean, I think that I think you are less willing to tolerate cruelty or inefficiency. Sure. I look for I look for ways to improve process. Yeah. Yeah. And I think I think that so many people are so complacent when it comes to like things that are wrong in an organization that to challenge that status quo is is especially notice notable. Mm -hmm. So what do you, so where does it go? Like when you're dealing with, let's say it's not workplace, right? Mm -hmm. Like let's say it's family and all of us have that family, right? Like that, maybe it's an aunt and uncle Mm -hmm. (laughs) that says stuff. 
it's sort of the the social equivalent to when your grandma heard you liked ducks like 25 years ago and every single gift since then has been duck themed and really it was just like oh that's a cute duck you said once do you know how many ceramic turtles i have i love them (laughs) but yes but you love them in part because if you didn't it would be an unpleasant experience with the 700 ceramic turtles so how do you bring that up yeah how do you bring that up without immediately being lumped as criticizer or whatever right i don't know my experience with this has generally been with someone who's particularly abusive so i it was pretty much impossible to convince that person that their reality was what they were perceiving as reality was wrong Hmm. right so sort of had this story in their head right um and that I think is a different case. There's yeah. a, there's a power dynamic there that so like yeah so 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 if there's a person who is actively doing things that are bad right you address those things right right like if someone is yelling at you and pigeonholing is the least yeah of the problem, you, so, you yeah. you deal with the yelling before you deal with the the social pattern right um like you know regardless but assuming that this isn't like a, a situation of abuse or outright rudeness and cruelty right and Um, and avoidance isn't an issue because another thing i have done which might make me a bit of a coward is just gonna be like i don't think i'm gonna hang out with this person that's an option right it is like it is an option to be like that's cool i'm not gonna call you i'm not gonna talk to you yes like if you show up at a family event whatever yeah but if this person I think the wording of this question doesn't suggest that they're going to dump their family on account right. of a bad in-law. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, I mean, so one thing is, if this person is very open about their categorization, mm-hmm. like, if they are saying, oh, well, you're, you're a jock, so right. you're, gonna, you're not going to like this, you can always say, I'm more than a jock, right? You can call out that label. That's true. Yes, if they're very open about it. Or you can be a jock and also like opera. Right. Yeah, that's definitely true. And there there are a few ways you can do that. So you can you can say, you know I'm more than that, right? Yeah, in a in a very direct and yeah. unironic um, way. I think you could talk to them and ask them to fill in the blanks. So you keep saying I'm a jock. Can you talk about other things about me? Can you reflect to me what the mm, model what yeah. your model is of me? You know? Describe me. Let's find other things to talk about and other ways to to label me. Um, Because you can work with labels. Like, that's how some people want to perceive the world. You can deal with that model. Mm -hmm. You can joke. And, you know, like... Mm. like, (laughs) Yeah, but but saying things like, well, you know I'm more than just a jock, right? Yeah. Hey, I like like going to ballet as much as the next person. Yes. Um, I like your idea that jocks don't go to art things. I, I, that's that's the that's the stereotype, usually, right? No, usually academics is the stereotype. Like academics don't go to art things unless they're an art. No, 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 no. I mean that jocks are not academics. Oh, yes, also, yes. Um, but uh, the other thing would just to be like, hey, it hurts. Like it hurts me to, when you call me that when you reduce right. me to that. You can actually make yourself vulnerable mm-hmm. by expressing the consequences of their actions. So, yeah, so that that's a deeper way to go. Um, if, if you trust that they do care. Or have faith. Yeah. Yes. Either way. Either way. Uh, but that's, I mean, it's hard to do if someone is pigeonholing. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yep. Understanding why they're doing this is useful. Like, they're probably not 
doing it to be cruel or because they don't care. Right. Right? Like, they're probably doing it because socializing with people is hard. Mm-hmm. Like, you, you, like we said, you need to form this model, mm-hmm. and maybe they're less good at updating their model. Maybe their brain space is full of other things, and they're just not giving a whole lot of attention to those social aspects. Mm-hmm. With this situation as described, where it's a, a family member who seems nice and friendly otherwise, mm-hmm. it's probably not any cruelty. Probably. It's, they also might not know why they do it. Yeah. Or they might assume everyone behaves the same way. Yeah. It's that This is the sort of thing that seems to me that that would come up a lot. Is yeah. like, well, everybody does that. And yeah, but not yes. to this extent, not this, not with these behaviors. Yeah. Um, and I guess you don't need to convince her to change her life. You could just say, hey, around the family, mm-hmm. how about you, you know, we're family now. Yeah. How about you get to know us with a little more depth? Right. It's, it's fine if if she f- thinks that every gas station attendant is the same, <laughs> right? Like, I mean, that's classist and so on. But like, it's not none of your business. Fair enough. Yes. And I would say that it is not incumbent on a single person to say, "Don't treat the family this way." That's true. Yeah. I'll, um, you're, you just talk you about can. yourself. Right. Maybe you yeah. can. You could schedule an get, intervention. Yeah, get together with everyone and be like, we want to talk to you about, hi, I'm who you call the jock. Why do you keep This is the den jock? mother. I don't know. <laughs> I seems, like, seems like a good category. You have never been a jock and I can't lift weights for four and a half more weeks. Yes. <laughs> Stop talking about jocks. Once you do, you're, you're totally a jock. <laughs> I, I don't recommend scheduling an intervention. Yeah, no. I think unless, that, you, unless you regularly have family meetings. Maybe yeah, if a... if you if you have family meetings anyway, then yeah, that would be a time. But I don't. That's that that that's tremendously confrontational yes. and singling out. Um, and this doesn't sound like it's that big of a problem. Yeah, it's like it sounds like she's alienating people, right? But it doesn't sound like she's going to get cut off for this, right? It also sounds like this might be pretty new, right? Yeah. Like this is maybe within just the last mm-hmm. couple of years or so. So maybe things haven't, like, solidified so yeah. that when everyone is in their 60s, they hate each other, right? Right. Yeah, yeah and, and I think that, you know, you don't want this to escalate. Right. You don't want this to become a thing. Right. And so I think that you're very much risking this becoming a thing if you're that mm-hmm. confrontational. Right. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, we we all form these rough models of people based on very little information. Mm-hmm. And... That's fine as long as you update them as you get more information. You don't, like, put people in a box and keep them there. And leave them. Yeah. <laughs> Lock leave it up, though, the key. Put some water in occasionally. <laughs> but I think that if you're not updating that model, then it can be hurtful. It can be both bad socially because you are you don't have a very good model of someone. You're going to communicate more poorly. Yeah. yeah. And also, they're going to feel annoyed that you're... Just wrong. Yeah, that you're wrong about them all the time, and that you <laughs> seem to justify that with this incorrect or incomplete image of them. Right. And so when someone does this, talk to them. Yeah. Say how it makes you feel, mm-hmm. or say that they are wrong okay. in, a, in a kind way. So what do you think of asking the person, the person of blood family getting engaged yeah. to do this on your behalf? That's hard. You can tell uh, no, how, by how late no. I thought of this idea. Yeah, no, <laughs> no. I mean, 
Because that, that's a very common thing. We're and, often tempted, yeah, to go through the spouse or or, mm-hmm. or significant other or to, you know, to try and get someone who knows them better right. to do it. But anytime you're introducing a, a middle person there, a messenger, like yeah. you're putting an undue burden on them, mm-hmm. you're going to communicate less effectively because it's going to get translated both ways. Yep. Um, you're running the risk of, hey, why didn't you come to me directly with this? I don't, I don't think... I don't encourage using someone as a go-between yeah. ever, it, I mean, really. Especially as, like, I guess as someone who's polyamorous and pretty relationship anarchist. Yeah. This person does need, everyone needs to form their own relationship with this fiancé. Yeah, I mean, um, you might be like, hey, brother or whoever, like, I want to talk to her about something. Should I just, like, call her? Like, yeah. figuring out, asking how to communicate yeah. could be useful. But don't ask someone to communicate on your behalf. Right, that's true. I like that. Yeah, so what have you been inspired by lately? Well, I have been watching Star Trek, specifically Star Trek Discovery. It's a new series. So excited, it's awesome. It's been the first Star Trek TV series in, boy, at least 10 years. Yeah. Yeah, I think Enterprise might have fallen off in the mid-aughts. Yeah, and it's, I mean, it's very different than a lot of the earlier ones. Um, it's far less uh, gaggle of Shakespearean actors yeah. <laughs> stomping around. Yeah, like Star Trek previously was often very ensemble. Mm-hmm. Like the first episode would introduce six or seven characters that you would know the names and personalities of. Mm-hmm. And each episode thereafter would be kind of like those people interacting and dealing with a problem. Right. And each show has done this differently. I've, I've enjoyed hearing some analysis on a podcast I listened to called Trek About. I do recommend it, if you, especially yeah. if you were listen, watching old Star Trek episodes. Mm-hmm. I started from episode one of season one of original series and worked my way all the way through listening to this podcast. But they're also, they're kind of, I don't know if they're film buffs specifically or just well-trained, but they do a really good job of kind of analyzing the differences in the ensemble cast mm-hmm. between original series, next gen, you know, sort of the big four. They haven't gotten to Enterprise yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's interesting how each show handles it. And I think Discovery works really well in a modern modern television. Yeah, but it is very different. Yes. And I think as a result, a bunch of people aren't going to like it. Probably. Or we're expecting something else. Right. Um, but I think it's really cool. Um and it's very focused on a single character, which yes. is a thing that Star Trek really hasn't done before. It's very focused mm-hmm. on this Michael Burnham character who ends up, in the minor spoilers, I guess, ends up being called the Mutineer. Yes. Um, because she is the she is Starfleet's first mutineer. Mm-hmm. She's the first person to mutiny. Um, it's worth noting this: the setting of this is before original series. Yeah, it's series. before original series. So it's this is the the second earliest um, show. Uh, TV show in the Star Trek canon, um, Enterprise being the the earliest, which is far far before. Even though the original I series. just mentioned Enterprise, <laughs> it's, it's it, it was it came at the end of that that period of mm-hmm. Star. It was kind of the death of Star Trek for it a was, while, it was. Um, deservedly or undeservedly. Yeah, um, I feel like next gen's movies might have done more yeah, than Enterprise. Quite possibly, yeah. Um, anyway, uh, so yeah, so it's focused on this one character and a lot of the the plots surround the fact that she is kind of called the mutineer. She's treated by everyone with distrust and all mm-hmm. this because she, she kind of ends up through a series of plot events back working on a Starfleet ship again, despite, you know, mm-hmm. being sentenced to, for a crime for a very bad crime. Right. What's um, something that, I don't know if it's capital punishment or the, the 
Federation soft equivalent of yeah, it's, it's sent off to a to a prison colony. colony forever. Yeah. Um, but instead, she's working on the ship again. And one of the notable things about it is that people people call her the mutineer, or they call her, or they say, you know, you're you were raised on Vulcans, so you act like a Vulcan. Um, and most of the episodes are about her not living up to those concepts, mm-hmm. like. You know, people treat her as the the worst person on the ship, the most misbehaving person on the ship. But she's kind of the voice of conscience yeah. for for several of the plot lines so far. We're not very far in, right? Um, Four or five episodes. But that's it's very interesting to see this very common theme in many of the episodes of you think this person is going to act this way mm-hmm. or you think this creature is going to be this sort of creature because of how they look mm-hmm. or because of what you know about their species or yeah. something like that and they prove you wrong and that's... because people are not that simple exactly they've done that for just about everybody so far yeah um and it's been it's been great like i yeah. have been surprised by something delighted by something yeah. it's it's just not a misanthropic show it yeah. sees despite the being good. dark and it's... about like hey here are some people that are doing things that starfleet would consider wrong right and there's a war going on there's just this sense of of we can do better than this yeah. and we will and we will even yeah. though maybe they won't right yeah <laughs> and and star trek has always had these themes of like don't pigeonhole people don't have mm-hmm. stereotypes but it's also kind of done that especially with the alien species of course they where it's like Vulcans always act like this Ferengi's always act like this klingons always act like this and this show is one that's like no yeah that's not the case right here are these klingons who are very clearly the villains of the show and we will show how every single klingon character has a different opinion behaves right. differently takes a different approach to things it's, mm-hmm. it's really interesting it's not just council meetings and yeah. And, yeah, and and weird fights yeah yeah so what have you been inspired by lately? I have been inspired by Waypoint Radio. Ah. So we've talked about Austin Walker in the mm-hmm. past, uh, last year, I think, after the he's election. He's the editor-in-chief of Waypoint, which is a... Maybe. He's, he's one of the primary yeah. editors. One of the founders, uh, yeah. Of Waypoint, which is a video game website um, done by Vice. Yep. Um, so it's him. It's uh, Patrick Klepek. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, it's Danielle Rando and Zach... Uh, Rob Zachney. And Danica Herod often? Yes, and Danica Herod. Um, and so they do a twice-weekly podcast that's sort of ever-evolving. And they talk often about kind of current events. Mm-hmm. And in some ways, it is a, a standard video game journalist podcast. Mm-hmm. So, But it's often like video game journalism used as a way to explore wider politics. Exactly. So there have been a couple of very unpleasant... Um, sort of industry things that have happened mm-hmm. in the past few months. Um, accusations of sexual harassment, evidence of sexual harassment mm-hmm. by some some prominent people um, in the industry, including someone who um, was a friend to mm-hmm. a lot of important, interesting people that yeah. felt kind of betrayed by that. And every time something like this happens, Waypoint is pretty quick to talk about it. Yeah. Their level of nuance and their understanding of the depth of the issue and the factors involved is just, it's phenomenal. This is the most aware and critical podcast I think I've ever listened to. Yeah. To hear them talk about, like, you know, this this person has set himself up with this soft boy image and used that specifically to 
you know, to abuse people and just like, I don't know, their understanding of systems, every single one of them, every single one of them talk can talk about these issues to varying degrees, right? Yeah. Like they have different life experiences, um, but they, they just drill right into it. And I, I find it inspiring. They, there's some things they tend to dismiss. So mm-hmm. the South Park game came out recently. Yeah. And they're uh, just kind of like, that's not, that's not for any of us. We again, don't expect it to do well. Right. Um, and they, they did critique aspects of it. Um, but they also, I did not get the impression they spent 5 to 15 hours playing the game right, either. Yeah, right? yeah. And they, they, they did not give it a fair chance. Right. And um, that's fine. That's fine. They continue to inspire me to do things like have more nuance than Twitter allows. Yeah. Um, they're yeah, that, also pretty anti-capitalist. Mm-hmm, which, and, is, which is nice. Yes, which is very nice. But yeah, that they, they sort of consider things a problem, but don't immediately become tribal or factional about it right it's not like this is bad because it's the enemy it's this is bad because of its effects right so they can talk about things like exploitation um they can talk about you know debacles with i don't know dlc downloadable Mm -hmm. content in games and talk about that in a way that addresses the systems that have led to that and the systems that will Mm -hmm. be affected by that and things like that so it's just it's just really awesome and it's a good thing to listen to while I'm working on stuff. Yeah. Um, especially as I'm, like, I, I finally finished the latest version of Granny Squares. Ah, yes. GrannySquareColors.com. With dashes. Granny-Square-Colors.com. Yeah. Should... If you have a bunch of yarn and want to make a Granny Square quilt out of it, this will give you a random pattern. Right. Not a quilt, per se. Quilts are different. Oh, uh, that's right, right. Uh, just blanket. Like, just, yes, a blanket. Um, yeah, and you can save them and so on and so forth. And I have a bunch more enhancements to listen to. But as I'm doing this project, it's totally a labor of love. Um, and it's for an audience that is generally very kind mm-hmm. and very receptive and they're very appreciative of this thing. It just, it feels simpatico. Mm-hmm. Like I'm doing a thing that helps people in a leisure way, right? Like mm-hmm. no one, it's not saving lives. Um, but, and also broadening my horizons and sort of checking against my own misconceptions as I yeah. listen to Wayborn. So, it fits. So, we've talked about a lot of things about sort of forming these pigeonholes or stereotypes about people, about situations, and how that can be harmful when you don't, like, update them with new information, or if you kind of pay more attention to those models than you do to the actual people involved. Right. And so our, our recommendations have been talking directly to someone who's being harmful. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And saying, that, hey, this is what I'm seeing you do. This is how I feel about it. Yeah. Um, and you could, I mean, you could nonviolent communication this, right? Sure. You could talk about what your needs are, mm-hmm. which probably are to be understood. Yeah, need to be understood, to be independent. Mm-hmm. Um, to have mutuality, to yeah. have... Um, you know, sort of reciprocity of Yeah, because we, we do need to sort of feel like we're both contributing right. to an interaction. And if someone's like, if someone isn't interacting with you, but is interacting with this kind of broader yeah. category, yeah. that's not, that's no good. Exactly. You might talk to the blood family member to, to sort of say, how do I approach this person? Mm-hmm. But generally talking to them, we would say is best. Yeah. Um, and... How do you avoid becoming this person yourself? Like, mm. how do you know if you're doing this? How do you not do it? If you're having frequent miscommunications with someone. That's, yeah, that's a yellow flag. That's there. a yellow flag. Like, you know, we, I think you and I often take 
these questions kind of at face value to a certain mm-hmm. extent, right? Um, and we kind of assume the issue is with the person that the question asker says the mm-hmm. issue is with. Um, but if you step back and sort of think about this control sense, yeah, it could totally be you, right? Yeah. Um, so if you find yourself kind of being told, no, you're wrong, mm-hmm. no, that's, that's not what's happening here. And if you think you know how someone is going to act and they often don't. Right. It's not that they're mercurial or... <laughs> or uh unreliable it's probably that you have the wrong image of them exactly exactly so re-examine that yeah be like does this actually fit yep and you can always ask a person about it like hey i kind of thought of you as this but i notice you're doing this right i've totally done that before and that was incredibly helpful to just sort of like check in with someone it was awkward or it can be yeah awkward. sure i mean it's gonna be yeah because you're you're doing something weird you're exposing yeah. the inner workings of your brain yeah. um and saying you know this is this is how i think about you is this right or wrong or asking how do you want to be talked to yeah yep. <laughs> yeah it seems like whenever i bring up something like this we don't communicate well how should i say you know please clean up the break room better or right Yep. Whatever. Yep. All right. So thanks for talking to me today. And thank you for talking to me. And thank you all for listening. This has been Audacious Compassion. If you have a question or a prompt for discussion, please submit it to us at averyweird.net. That's A-V-E-R-Y-W-E-I-R.net. You can find the show on Twitter and Facebook at AudaciousCast. And we'd greatly appreciate likes and follows. Please take a moment to rate us on iTunes or wherever you find podcasts. Your sharing is the best way for us to expand our audience. I'm Gregory Avery Weir, and I can be found at Gregory Weir on Twitter. And if you are using the cool service Mastodon, I am Gregory (laughs) Avery Weir on the Mastodon.social flagship instance. I'm Melissa Avery Weir, and I can be found at AveryMD on Twitter or Melissa Avery Weir at Mastodon.social. And together we run a video game studio called Futureproof Games, which you can visit at futureproofgames.com and check out grannysquarecolors.com if you <laughs> knit. Or crochet. Yes. Our theme music is Invisible Light by Josh Woodward, available under a Creative Commons Attribution 4.0 license. Talk to you later. Later.